a trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. I am so glad you could join us today. It's a fine day for Wrong Think. That means it's a fine day to welcome Gary Welch back to the show. Gary, good to catch up with you, my friend. It's been a while. Yeah, I've been gone too long, and I really have missed the wrong thinking conversations and the ability to to sit down and talk with everyone about what it means to be a wrong thinker and how you can apply that in making change. Now, be honest. We just haven't done this in a long while. You're not just doing this because I've gotten off track in the last few weeks or anything like that, right? No, I, I absolutely am going to bring you back on the, onto the onto the sacred path, my brother. We're going to okay. get right back into this. No, I, I like to get your take on things. I know you have an informed and principled take, and uh, and I hope our audience appreciates this as well. There are several crazy things going on. I don't know if you want to touch on current events first, then we can get to some specific topics of reform that uh, you had had brought forward for discussion. Anything in uh, in in your current events radar screen that that jumps out at you as needing mentioning? I'm not sure if you've if you've brought this up, but the the issue with the Supreme Court and the right to life issues. And uh, one of the things that I saw about that was that the right to lifers in that particular SCOTUS case, their approach to it, they took the right approach, which I've always been talking about is it's patience. It's taking the time to build your foundations. It is starting locally. Don't try to do quick fix. If you try to do a quick fix and you're you're depending upon nine justices who I have serious doubts about or where their head is at as regarding what the Constitution is all about, what liberty is all about. You know, if you're depending upon them to solve a problem, if you're depending upon Congress to solve your problem, you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. No, I, I'm with you. And, and and part of the problem is, you know, of course, government problems are problems that uh, really, in whose interest would it be to solve, right? There's a whole bureaucracy that depends on that problem never, ever being solved. So when you hand something off to government, um, there are some risks entailed. There, there may be some things that government is better at doing, but for the most part, what you get is entrenched bureaucracy, uh, costs that go on and on. And, and typically, it seems like we get some mission creep along the way. Suddenly, well, that started out pretty benign, and now it seems like it's, it's regulating things that we never thought government should be involved in. Now, the point here isn't to just complain about it. I think, I think we're seeing the reality of it, but um, let's talk about... What makes a better society? And I don't mean because the you know government made it so, but you know, looking at the bigger picture, government may be part of that. But what, Gary, in your opinion, what makes a better society? So what triggered this was there's this um, there's a lot of TV scientists out there, and for the most part, I don't like them. I, I think they're they're not true scientists. Bill Nye is not even a scientist; he's something else, and. They, they promote themselves as because I work in the world of science, I know what I'm talking about. And then they go on to spout pure nonsense in, in an odyssey. And there is an, an up and coming guy that his name is Brian Cox. He's British. He's a physicist. 
And he's on that path. He's, he's doing TV shows. He's writing books. And he's decided that he wanted to get into politics. Now, th- those are like three strikes against him, as far as I'm concerned, is you're taking your science and you're out there, you know, and whenever you're writing books, making TV shows, you're usually pushing an agenda and not pushing science. And then you say, well, I want to run for politics. Okay, guy, you just lost me. But he said something that I thought was just astounding. It really did take me back and I had to really look at it because what I felt like was he was really describing wrong thing. The way that you and I have always been when talking about it and describing what it's all about. And I thought, you know what? In this one instance, I think he's right on. He's using it for his own purpose, obviously. He's trying to get elected. But he made up some really good points. And what he said was, and I'm going to quote him here. He said, look across the political landscape of any country, identify the people with blustering certitude, and then don't vote for them. He says, we have to embrace doubt and uncertainty. We shouldn't be afraid of it. That's what research science is. It's what's running a country is, too. Democracy is a trial and error system based on recognition that is very that it's very difficult to run society. And then this is what he said that I thought was really astounding. He said, sometimes the evidence isn't 100% clear. Sometimes our interpretation of evidence is just a working model until we have better evidence. Science is not a collection of absolute truths. Science are, scientists are delighted when they are wrong because it means that they have learned something. It's a pretty healthy now, attitude. Yeah, but I think he's wrong. So, And, and I'm going to kind of back this up with this. He is describing the scientific method that I knew when I was a kid. But when I, by the time I became a young man in the 70s and 80s, that model was being destroyed. It was being torn apart. The, the scientific model, what he's describing about, was a method to find the truth, not a truth. There's a difference between, between finding the truth and a truth. The truth is where the evidence takes you, and it may not be where you started from. And it used to be that that's how scientists approached their work. They say, okay, I have a hypothesis. I think this is what it is. They would test it, and one of the first things they would do is test it among themselves. I need to prove it to myself that I'm right. And they would challenge themselves. They would try to find things to prove that they are wrong. And the reason they did that is for what he said. Because some of the greatest inventions and some of the greatest truths that have came out of science had became because someone got proved wrong and they followed it. They said, I think this is this. They went down that path. Evidence started showing that it was something different. And they went, huh, this is interesting. I want to find this. And they wanted to find the truth. And so they moved down that path. Science today is very, very different. It is I come in with a bias. I establish that bias. I reject anything that contradicts that bias. And then I immediately publish and get it out to the world so that I can have public opinion validate what I have done. That's a very, very different way from from what used to, what it used to be. Let, let me offer just a slight variation of that theme, though. Um, people who whose livelihood is tied to scientific research funding 
I look, I'm not accusing everybody. It's all fraudulent. You know, they're all being bought. But I think we would have to at some level, we should be able to admit human nature is if my livelihood is tied to searching for a truth, like you pointed out, you know, cigarette smoking is actually good for pregnant women. Why, you know, four out of five of our scientists found this, you know, and who were they hired by? Uh, Philip Morris. Oh, <laughs> well, gee, you know, uh, I, th- I think the climate change debate has been driven by a lot of this. And that uh, basically what I'm saying is it used to be scientific research was like you said, it was for the sake of research. They were really trying to follow the truth. But a lot of what goes on today is funded in such a way that uh, the funding makes sure that the science finds what what fits that agenda. That, that then that's not like a recent thing. That that has no. always been the no. Case it's been going on for a while. Yeah, and companies always did that from very long ago. They would hire scientists to find things that they want them to find and to prove things that they wanted to prove. But in the academia, it was supposed to be pure science and driven by that pure science. And one of the changes that happened to that was the funding model and that you went to government funding with with very specific directions from the government and then private funding, again, with very specific directions from them as to what they wanted to achieve. And because of that, then that gives you that where even if you do have a, a, an unbiased opinion, you are going to be shaped and molded because if you want to get paid, if you want to eat, that means you're going to do what they tell you. Well, and, and look at uh, look at how science has come to, to become a, a point of contention in our government today. Did you catch any of uh, Rand Paul's questioning of Dr. Fauci earlier this morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang. That's, I mean, there was two men flat out calling each other, you're lying. No, you're lying. Yeah, well, you know, you can go to prison if you lie to Congress kind of conversation taking place. And, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci has got the science to hide behind. And um, I don't know. It's it's curious, though, that, that it's it's come to this where, where we're seeing that kind of contention. And, and a lot of it's over the science, specifically, you know, the you know, was there gain of function testing and research being funded by NIH. Anyway, sorry to get you off track, but that, wow, what an exchange. If people haven't heard it, they they should probably check it out. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. is The Brian Hyde Show. Once again, welcome back to the show. Quick shout out to our sponsors, including HSLAmmo.com, MonticelloCollege.org, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Let's see, we've also got, oh yes, we've got, our, uh, we've got a food storage plan. I'm going to tell you more about that coming up in the, in the second half of the show. I've got Gary Welch here with me. Gary, I like the article that you shared. In fact, I'm going to add this to the show notes uh, um, about uh, thinking scientifically. And, and it's clear to me that part of what, uh, what this scientist, uh, Mr. Cox, is saying 
is there, there has to be a degree of humility. I like his recommendation. When you see a politician who's cocksure and ah, you don't tell you exactly the way things are, don't vote for that person. <laughs> vote for the one who's humble enough to admit, I don't know. I need to look into that or I'm willing to learn You know what I need to learn about that. And he brings that up and that and this is where it got to what is wrong think as as we are describing it and talking about it. And that is, you know, you do not accept the status quo. And it's what I call healthy skepticism. So unhealthy skepticism is just that that certitude. I am right. You are wrong. And evidence that comes in and contradicts me, I'm going to reject and refute and then even just downplay it. Just say you're a liar. Um, I I hate you, so I cannot trust anything you say. But healthy skepticism is willing to say, you know what? The evidence is starting to point this way. I think that this might be something worth exploring and looking at. It's not like just cap, you know, capitulating right away, going, oh, okay, there's evidence that proves me wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm going to walk away from it. But it's that healthy skepticism, and especially when it comes for government, I think that's really what describes who we are and what we are. And it really describes the perfect American. The perfect American should be skeptical of everything coming out of government. Everything. I, I always say that the, the, the most operative word for a free society is the word no. Oh, it's, well, we want to do this. No, it's the most powerful word. And also one of the most seldom used. Um, Just to illustrate what you're talking about, here's why people need to be skeptic, because government doesn't always come at you in with with, uh, you know, fangs bared and the or else attitude. Sometimes it comes to you with warm, syrupy words that, oh, wow, that just flows. It feels good. Um, What was her name? Dr. Wen, Dr. Lena Wen. You know who I'm talking about? She's a Washington Post columnist. Communist. Wow. Sorry, that was a bad Freudian slip. Um, And CNN regular. uh, She's the one who is insisting. Are you ready for this? Government needs to make vaccination vaccination the easy choice. Did that sound like almost pleasant? Wow, really? But there's nothing that she's suggesting that is sweet or or easy or even innocent. I mean, she's suggesting something very authoritarian because she goes on to say it needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. So people fill in with their emotional associations. But if you're not a skeptic, that could sound like, well, that's not a bad idea. I mean, look what they're trying to. They're making it the easy choice. Yeah. As they put your thumb into the thumb screws. Oh, I'm sure you'll find this an easy choice after a few twists here. Ready for that uh, needle there, Gary? And I find that myself, even when they say things that I agree with or that I feel like, you know what, I, I can get behind this. I still am skeptical because I'm, I'm like, where's the catch? Where, where's this going? What are the things you are not telling me? Because you say you're going to do this one thing, but then I find that within that bill is all these other things that you hidden and you haven't told me about, or you're just saying that to placate me. And in reality, you're going to do something different. How many times have we heard that and seen that yep. from our, 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 what we call our friends and our supporters and our political allies and they turn around and, and say, oh, we're doing this and this and this, and we're passing this bill for you guys. And then it goes through and you say, well, nothing happened. It didn't do anything. And just the opposite happened. Wait a second. And so that, that, that skepticism of I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you're doing. I'm skeptical. I, am, I want you to prove to me 
that this is going to work. And if you cannot do that, I'm not going to accept your assurance. Well, I know what's right for you. I know what's good. I am the politician. Uh, Sorry, dude, that doesn't cut it for me. That's hard to do, though. I mean, to swim upstream in order to to be the skeptic. Um, You've been there. I've been there. I see people who are arriving there for the first time, and and all of them look a little bit shell-shocked at first to realize people think it's weird to question or to, to be, you know, to, to be more on guard about what you allow government to do and how you allow it to interact with you in your life. But that's the default setting for free men and women. And somehow it's like we've lost sight of that. I actually did a study on this, and it's, and it's part of other studies that have been done about human behavior. The thing about that's, that you have to understand about socialism, and, and that's really what we're fighting against. We are, we are living in a socialist society. We're living with a socialist government. They are trying to move us into a much stronger socialist position so that they control things. And one of the things that the socialists understand is human behavior. They're very, very good about manipulating human behavior. Um, there's, a, there's a network series out there that I really love right now. It's called How to Be a Tyrant. And they talk about how all of these tyrants who are, by the way, all strong socialist government leaders, and they use these human behaviors and these these mental tricks and whatnot, you know, Jedi mind tricks, if you will, (laughs) to manipulate people. And one of the things they understand this is that we do not question authority because that puts the responsibility on us. And we hate that. We do not want to be wrong. So it's easier to let you make decisions, and then I can criticize you if you're wrong. But the reality of it is, and this is what I've always talked about with government officials, they are no smarter than you. Do not think that they're wiser, better, smarter, whatever. They are not. They make just as many mistakes as the average person does. In fact, they make more. And when you look at them for who they are, what they are, ordinary human beings that have no capability of predicting the future or deciding what to do any better than you do, then you recognize who they are. But we take this attitude of, well, I want them to make decisions and I'm willing to accept that because then that doesn't put the responsibility on me if I make the wrong decision. I can then just sit back and criticize. They understand that and they took full they take full advantage of that behavior. Well, I think this illustrates why you and I are so keen on, you know, we've got to be the kind of people who understand what our rights are, what government rightly can and cannot do. We've got to be active. We've got to be involved. But most of all, we have to know. We have to understand this. So let's let's turn our discussion to the idea of, again, what makes a better kind of, of citizen? What What makes a better community, a better nation? I'm thinking it starts more at the individual level than, than, you know, higher up the chain. What are your thoughts? I agree. Absolutely. It, it is requiring that individual to make certain decisions about what you are willing to accept and what you're willing to do. And, and, and we will start with that of having a natural and well-abiding skepticism of those in authority. And remember, remember to trust the government to be your one source of truth. (laughs) I'm just kidding, because there's misinformation out there, Gary. They told me about it (laughs) and and I I need them to protect me from that misinformation. Otherwise, my gosh, you know, I might learn things that are killing people. 
I wish I were. Well, you, I wish you, this were tongue in cheek, but I'm. I'm. You know, I'm using actual words that were used to describe. You know, people questioning the narrative. You brought it up at the end of the break, and I and I get like the opportunity to talk about that. One of the things that we're facing against is we were taught from a very young age believe in the government, trust the government. From day one that you were born, you were told trust the government, believe in the government, and that's a big thing that we need to change. No, I agree, and 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 to stop, uh, like like you had said, stop looking at politicians who will say anything to get elected and do anything to keep the money flowing, just keep them in office. Yeah, we definitely need more of that skepticism. I hope that you and I are promoting it to a healthy degree as we speak. We'll take a quick break. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I have Gary Welch here with me. We are talking about uh, stuff that matters. I think we do that every time, Gary, but I, I'm really grateful for, for what we're talking about. Particularly, you had some specific suggestions for the kind of reforms we ought to be looking at if we're serious about being a better society. Where do you want to begin? And- And I wanted to bring with where we left off about where does it start? And it starts with you. It starts with the individual. We have become dependent upon thinking that government will solve things. Government will take care of things. And one of the things that I have found, and and this goes back to the, where we started in the very beginning of the show was how do you affect change? And if you're depending upon Supreme court justices and Congress and that federal level activity, You're always going to be disappointed, but yet that is what we do. We always go straight to the top and say, well, this is where we will start. We will start here, and these people will solve our problems, and these people will take care of things, and this is how we get change. And I've always been a proponent of it, of it has to start on the bottom, and it has to start with us. When our founding fathers created this country, They made it set up so that you had to have a very strong society, a society that was comfortable with themselves, a society that was comfortable doing things on their own. And they basically kept on saying, if you need government to tell you what to do, you're already gone. It's too late. You will not get the results you want. You're going to get the opposite. And that's what we've turned into. So we have to build a better society. We are looking outward and upward and saying, let's let those people take care of it. Let's let those people solve our problem. We will turn our our troubles to them and they will solve them for them. And then perpetually are disappointed. We have to recognize we are losing this war. You have to recognize you are losing this war. And we all know that. We always gripe about it. But uh, if you're losing the war, you got to do something different. You can't fight it the same way and say, oh, OK, we're good with that. This is not a stalling action like the Republican Party tells us it is. They're saying all we're trying to do is just keep it from going too fast. We're just going to slow it down. But we're still going to end up as socialists. No, we have to fight it. This is going to be something where we have to reverse the trends and move them backwards. And that's going to only come from a strong society. 
Now, I've got some ideas on what this might look like, but I want to explore some of the ones you brought forward here. Uh, for instance, reform of Christianity. I mean, I I tried to make this point uh, yesterday on the show because I, I was talking about the, the porn star who showed up at the Turning Point USA convention and was asked to leave. And, and it's it sparked this great internal debate. It's primarily more probably on the libertarian side than on, on the uh, hardcore, just conservative side. But it's like, hey, we need everybody in that big tent of conservatism. And who cares if she's a porn star and others saying, how can you be a conservative and just shrug aside? Well, you know, porn, it's not like it's that bad, you know, or pretend that it has no uh, negative influence on society. You know, it's not the same thing as calling for a government program or laws, but, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think part of being a conservative is you've got to recognize that there is a right and wrong. And there, there are things which are considered uh, virtuous and things which are considered base. And, and if you can't make that distinction, I think historically your societies uh, don't tend to be around for that long. And, but you brought up a very good point about religion and, and its purpose. And here's the important part of religion. We as human beings will always look to an authority. And government wants to establish itself as that authority. And they have succeeded. Christianity is on the decline. It's on a major decline. It is shrinking very, very quickly all the way to, to non-existence. It's on its way out. And they have taken over that place of we are the authority. If you want to replace that authority of government, you have to replace it with something else. And that something else has always traditionally been religion. That's why they hate religion. That's why they want to get rid of us. That's why they want to get rid of the Christians is you are an opposition to them. If God is a higher authority, then that means government is not and that I will report to a higher authority. But we as Christians, and I'm going clear across the board, I do not care what denomination you are at. We have Christians have lost our way, and this is not something new. I think this has been going on for a very, very long time. And I do believe that Christianity is ready for reform, not the religious esoterical reform, (laughs) but a reform as to what is Christianity and what is it all about. And if you look at it, let's just take a look at a Christian, not the churches. I hear all these criticism like, well, the church did this and the church did that. And Christians have done this and Christians have done that. That's the people. That's the organization. That's the institution. I say, look at the religion. Just go in there and look at what the religion. If you are looking at a society, Brian, I'm just going to challenge you right now. Okay. Tell me a religion. That is better for a society than Christianity, that encompasses things that make a better society, make a better people, make a better lifestyle. Name me one religion that does better than Christianity. I don't know, man. This makes me this makes it sound like you're trying to to get me to put Christianity up on a pedestal. No, um, I would have to preface what I say here with the understanding that. There are people of the Muslim faith and there are, there are Muslim um, cultures that are absolutely amazing. You'd be sa- you would actually feel safer walking down their streets or walking down one of their alleys than you would here in America. And it's, it's because of their religion. Now, the problem is their religion is also mingled with their government. And, and that's 
you know, that's a problem. That that can be abused, and we see that it often is. The difference I see here, and I and I have to admit, the Judeo-Christian ethic is what furthered Western civilization from that gargantuan leap that, uh, you know, first of all, you know, brought them to the new world, but also settled it and then built on enlightenment thinking to establish all those principles and practices that allowed liberty to, to really flourish. Now, I know that sounds like, did he just flex all of his white male privilege here? I'm just saying that's what they did. That that's, that's what happened. So, um, yeah, it's, it's brought a lot to the world. But I, I'm just trying to be careful not to make it sound like and those other ones are terrible and they they made the world a worse place. I mean, bad things, like you pointed I'm, out, have been done in the name of Christianity. Bad things have been done in the name of other religions, too. But overall, um, I mean, it's contributed greatly to freedom and to civilization, real civilization. And I'm not bad-mouthing them, and I'm not saying they're – I am just saying that – if you wanted to pick a religion based solely not on the religious value, let's, let's throw out, I know it's wrong to say this, but let's throw out the salvation part. Let's throw out the divinity of Jesus Christ. Let's throw all that out and just look at it as, okay, what does Christianity, the religion, not the church, not the institution, the religion, what does it propose that makes a great society? Love one another, take care of one another, take care of the disadvantage. You do not compel anybody to do anything. Everything is done by free will, by your choice. That you look at the other person through their eyes and through their shoes and understand them. That you love one another. I don't know of anything, any other religion that encompasses all of that. And we say Judeo-Christian, and I know we do that politically, but really it is Christianity more so than anything else. That religion that was established by Jesus and how he established that, those are principles that you do not find anywhere else. And then I say, now apply those to a society, apply that to a people that this is how we live together among each other. You have a very benevolent, loving, growing, healthy society. And, and you said, you know, like the Muslims are safe. Yes, they're safe. But are they loving? Are they growing? Are they benevolent? Are they looking after the others? Are they they can saying, be you they, have the they can be according according to their religious tradition. I you know, I don't I don't want to split hairs, but I just I want to make clear that um, there there are magnificent religions out there. One of the things, though, all the things you mentioned that the Christianity brings to the table, by the way, I agree underlying every one of those two is reverence for the individual. Right. And that's where, you know, look at where that brings us in terms of, okay, so discussing freedom, discussing rights. It's not collective. It's the individual. God loves the individual. God grants the individual natural rights. And the government, you know, ostensibly is called into existence to protect those rights. And so this is where it comes into reform, because as Christians, we have been compelling I, I tell everybody, we True. have turned into the modern-day Sadducees and Pharisees. We're all about the law. We're all about compulsion. We're all about control. We're not about the religion itself and the principles. And if you really want to get back to the whole golden rule thinking, which, again, holds sway in pretty much any major religion you look at, from you know Islam to Buddhism, whatever, Hindu, it's you treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And if you don't want somebody exercising dominion over you, don't do it to them. We can sure solve ourselves a lot of problems if, if we all would take that approach, but apparently it's fun to control people, or so we've heard. 
We'll be back. Gary Welch is my guest right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just a quick shout out to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. If you are moving to Utah, and I mean especially if you're moving to southern Utah, first of all, congratulations. It's gorgeous. Secondly, you are going to need someone who can get you the financing that you need, like now, because it's a very competitive market, just like everywhere else in the Intermountain West. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage has decades of experience from VA loans to traditional loans, reverse mortgages. Maybe you have an existing mortgage you want to refinance. Contact them at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George, 703 4522. That's area code 435-703-4522. Heather's NMLS ID is 715-386, rather. And Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. Gary Welch is my guest. We're talking about some of the needed reforms to help us become a better society. And Gary, I'm with you. Christianity is one of those things that needs to reform. Um, what else? What would you say needs, needs some reformation? So the the other biggest one where there is a reformation that has to take place is in the political world. And like I said, we, we we're taking this top down approach. We are taking this. I want I want it right now. So I'm going to go straight to the top and get it. And then always are thoroughly disappointed when it never happens. And we have to rethink. We have to reform and rethink of how we handle politics. I have been a proponent for a very long time now about local politics. We need to get down to the community level and start looking there for solutions and making that change. It's not going to be fast. It won't happen overnight. It might take years to do so. But these guys, these socialists, they knew ahead of time what they wanted to do, and they knew that it was going to take them over 100 years to get to where they wanted to go, and they were willing to do that. If we are not also willing to do that, we are not going to be successful. Change in society is very, very, very slow. And you need to take it in small increments. And that starts locally. We need to start working at community levels and changing it within our local communities. And the other side of that is become less and less dependent upon that national and look to do not look to them. Do not say, well, I want this done and I want these people to force to do things my way. So I'm going to get the federal government to do it and, and override states and override populations and override uh, the rural neighborhoods because my little city area here, we have more people. So we should decide that of taking a look at that and saying that's not the way for a good society, a good government. It's more about we should focus on our community. I think the best government in the world is one where I know the name of my mayor very well, and I'm very familiar with them, but I can't name the president of the United States. Oh, I would agree. I would totally agree. And it's going to be interesting because right now, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. Um, the federal government is overstepping so far that it's going to face plant at some point it can't help but do it the hubris is just too much it's going to fall on its face i would want to make sure 
that I am putting some time and effort into uh, whatever I can do to be a positive influence in my local governance. I do it now. This is the time to start so that uh, when that time comes where it's like, well, looks like we're on our own. You know, you're you're one of those people who can be trusted to to help offer solutions rather than just sit there and swat at the problem, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And then the chances of success are much higher. Uh, going back to the egos of the, the guys that are certain and, and want to not the people that make up our normal politician, they're all egos. So what do they want? I want to be governor. I want to be senator. I want to be a congressman. Well, what if you ran locally? What if you ran in your city council? It's not much money. The average raise for a city council position is a couple thousand bucks. And it doesn't matter what party. You can be big, big party member, you know, be a part of the Republicans or the Democrats. They're not going to give you a lot of money because it's not a big raise. So it equals the, the game. It plays it out that you can you're basically equal with that. They don't have that big advantage over you. And the odds of winning are much more successful. And so if you did this, if we took this approach of, OK, let's win all of our city councils, then let's go and win all of our county councils. I would say this, that if you give me a state where folks like ourselves, if we had wrong thinkers in every city council and every county council, I could care less who was the president, who was Congress. You could put Karl Marx and all his buddies in there. We would have the ability to nullify everything with the county sheriff, between the county sheriff and the county governments and the city governments. We would just say, sorry, we're not going to do that. That is a violation of the Constitution. Too bad. So sad. And there is really nothing they can do. And See, it just starts with something that simple. The, the word secession has taken on very uh, different meaning to me than what I grew up understanding it. Um, because in a way, Gary, I'm practicing personal secession every day wherever I possibly can. If there's a way that I can you know, minimize government influence in my life or minimize my own governmental footprint, I'm going to do it. And I, I encourage others to do that as well. And that doesn't mean disengage from everything and head for the bunker and that's where you stay and don't ever come out. You need to be engaged with the people around you, but you can also do a lot to, to ease the pressure of that boot on the back of your neck. Just got to be willing to make some choices and in some cases sacrifice a little bit of comfort in return for being able to, you know, live your life, call your own shots. I've, I've often said that the most stupidest war probably in American history other than Vietnam um, was the Civil War. We didn't have to have it. it. And it was because they pushed it too far. The South could have achieved what they wanted to achieve and knowing that they were not going to keep slavery alive. It was just not going to happen. But they could have at least as far as state rights and whatnot maintained that by just simply taking that what what would be called succession, but it's really nullification. It's just simply mm -hmm. we're not going to do it. All right, let Lincoln march in with his troops. You just simply say, okay, you're here. We're still not going to do it. What are you going to do, shoot us? And, and Lincoln would have been out right away if he would have tried that. If he would have marched troops into a peaceful American city like Richmond, Virginia, marched federal troops in there, he would have been gone right then and there. That day, he's out. They would have impeached him and kicked his butt right out. You could have took that approach, but no, let's go shoot everybody. And this, this, I, you know, this talk of secession, revolution, all that other stuff. We don't have to. We're not there yet. 
just simply resist, do the Gandhi approach of, of that passive resistance of simply saying, no, we're not going to do it. I, I got to say, Gary, and you've been in the military. You are you are a military veteran. But uh, when I see what is becoming of our armed forces and I'm talking the 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 rainbow flag is now, you know, the flag that's flying over our armed forces. That concerns me. That's that seems like and, and they're looking to what well, we're trying to study and see where uh, where these soldiers get their extremist content. So they're they're trying to weed out, quote, white supremacists from the military. And I, I don't think they're after real racists. I think what they're trying to do is weed out people who think probably more like you and I do and just want to, you know, to see the government limited, do its job. And when it's uh, when it's not necessary, then then just leave us alone. That's all we ask for. But it looks like there's a purge underway. Governments only understand force. That's it. They, that's all they understand. They do not know about, again, the, the difference between Christianity and having that higher authority in religion versus government, we are by choice. We entice you, we encourage you, we inform you to make a decision for good and for make a morally right decision. It comes from basically just talking to you and explaining to you and, and telling you the good things that you could do and have happen to your life. Government is never about, well, let's try to entice you to do the right thing or encourage you to do the right thing. We force you to do the right thing. And it usually has a gun in front of it. So yep. why not? How are you going to do that without the military? You need the military to back you up and to believe in you and be that that non-thinking drone that just says, yeah, I'll shoot anybody you tell me to shoot. I don't care what their citizenship is. I shoot everybody you tell me to. Well, it's definitely a time to be paying attention and uh, not in the sense that, you know, you jump at every shadow and every sound, but um, you, uh, people need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, I think it's in- essential they know where they stand. That means you may have to put some study into issues and, and principles, but uh, I sure appreciate what you brought up today, Gary. I think I think this is perfectly useful information. Yeah, I felt it was um, really good wrong thinking talk. And then, you know, because wrong think sometimes people get the wrong impression of what that's all about. But I think today we really covered about what does it mean to be a wrong thinker? Yeah, it's not as salty as as people may make it out to be. Yeah. But then again, you know, the, the purveyors of groupthink, you know, they, they have to portray any degree of wrong think as, as horribly wrong. I mean, in fact, they've developed they've invented a word for it. Misinformation. They're working hard to stamp it out everywhere they can. Let's talk again soon. Let's do it. This is The Brian Hyde Show.